I am so glad you are with us today. Um, I want to start off with a question, a question that some of you may have heard me ask before, but it's always a good one to ask. It's actually one that I often get, and that question is, what is the best Bible for me? I get that question quite often. What is the best Bible for me, Pastor? Well, my answer is always the same, and that is the one that you will read. The best Bible for you is the one that you will read. Then often I'm able to go in and explain the differences between translations and whatnot and make some suggestions for them. But truly, the best Bible is honestly the one you will read. Because what good is a Bible that just sits on the shelf? What good is a Bible that, that remains closed and just collects dust? None. It does no good. And this question isn't just true for adults, but kids too. What is the best Bible for my child? The answer? The one that they will read. And so for us in our house for years, through all four kids, the Bible that they read the most, consistently and constantly, was not the one that they received here at the church, but no, the one that they read the most was this one. The Action Bible. Right, Heidi? See, the Action Bible is a graphic story Bible. Your kids, your grandkids, maybe even you remember reading graphic novels or comics. This graphic story Bible covers different stories of the Bible. And when I mean different, I truly do mean different. And so this is where our second installment of this teaching series, That's in the Bible?, comes from. Heidi, my youngest, who's now 10, has read through this quite a bit, and as she was reading through it, she came across this story in 2 Kings chapter 6 that was quite interesting that, honestly, I can say I didn't know a lot about. I don't spend a lot of time in 2 Kings, but it's in here, and she had some questions, and so she asked Lauren, and she asked me, and Lauren said, submit it to Dad and have him preach on it. So here we are today, thanks to the Action Bible. We are in 2 Kings chapter 6. If you have a Bible or your phone, that works too, and you want to join us in there, that's where we will be, 2 Kings chapter 6. As you work your way there, you're going to see once again my man, Elisha. Elisha is just the best. There's some really cool things about Elisha that you may not know unless you studied him and how God used him in his ministry. If you take the time and you study Elisha and the way that God used him, you will see all the miracles, all the things that happened with him, with him involved. All of the miracles, all of these things with Elisha put people in touch with the personal and all-powerful God. Every single one of them put people in touch with the personal and all-powerful God. And there in 2 Kings chapter 6, 
we see this once again. If you, if you look at the first few verses, there's a really, really cool story about a floating axe head. But we're not going to look at that one. Heidi's question was built around what we heard in our reading from 2 Kings 8, excuse me, 2 Kings 6, verses 8 to 23. Now, I'm not going to read this entire thing again. I'm going to kind of just summarize and tell it a little bit for us here. And then we're going to look at two uh, great teaching points within this text. So there you are in 2 Kings chapter 6, beginning with verse 8. First thing you need to know is we don't know exactly when this war was that is going to be talked about. Because Elisha's life uh, happenings listed here are not in chronological order. Okay, so this is not in chronological order. But at some point, we do know that the king of Syria was at war with Israel. And he, he gathered his officers and he said, At such and such a place, we will mobilize our forces and get ready to attack. But every time that would happen, someone would be a step in front of him. The man of God. Elisha would be a step in front of him, and he would send word to the king of Israel and save the troops. He'd say, don't go there because the king of Syria is going to be there. And this happened more than once or twice. So now the king of Syria is ticked. He, he believes that there is a traitor within his ranks. So he calls the leaders together and demands to know who the traitor is. Which one of you is tipping off the Israelites? But the answer was, none of them. It was Elisha, this prophet of God over in, in Israel. So then the king's like, all right, well, bring me Elisha. So the king's like, all right, um, find out where Elisha is staying and let's go seize him and bring him back. This is silly, right? Because Elisha knows what? He always knows what's coming next. But still, the king of Syria pushes forward. He sends lots of soldiers, horses, and chariots, and surrounds the city of Dothan, where Elisha was. Now, in the early morning, the Elisha's servant wakes up, goes outside for Maybe his morning stroll. And when he went outside, he saw nothing but soldiers, horses, and chariots surrounding them. He's scared. He's frightened. So he, he goes back in and he wakes up Elisha. And, and Elisha says, go back to sleep. Don't, don't worry about it. We're fine. He says, we are definitely not outnumbered. But the servant still is, can't see it, can't understand. So Elisha prays. He prays to God and asks that the eyes of the servant are opened. And God opens his eyes, and what does he see? A mountainside full of horses and chariots of fire surrounding them. And yet the Syrians still attack. They, they come on in. And, and what happens? Once again here now we have Elisha. And he prays to the Lord. And this time he prays that the Lord blinds the Syrians. The Lord does this. He blinds them. And Elisha leads those Syrians into whom they seek. 
that they follow him into Samaria, which is the capital of Israel. Now, once in the capital, once in Samaria, Elisha prays again that their eyes be opened. And they were. And they saw where they were. How do you think they felt? Pretty scared probably, right? They're now literally in enemy territory. They're, they're in the middle of it all. And then the king of Israel sees them and he says to Elisha, Shall I kill them? Shall I take them out? They're here. Elisha's response, No. Of course not. Is that how you treat prisoners of war? He said, set water and bread out for them. He said, feed them so that they can return to their homes. So the king did just that. But better, better than just water and bread, he threw a great party. He threw a feast. There was no prison food. They were provided this exceptional treatment. They ate and they drank. They ate and drank. They ate and they drank. And they were strengthened. And then they were sent back to their country, carrying the story of what happened to them with them. And then the text ends there and says, for some time the Syrians did not attack Israel. Now, Again, this isn't a, a very unique reading, and I can see why Heidi had questions um, about this. There's a lot of informative things that we could seriously dig into. But the whole point of this series and the whole point of scriptures in general is to understand what we can take with us from God's word and, and apply it to our lives when we leave this place. So, so that's going to bring us to two separate teaching points. The first is where we just finished up. I want to start with the end of this text. If you were to read through this text and, and, and stop there at the end, if you could give me one word of what you see here, what would that be? Mercy. What we see here is mercy. The king of Israel extending mercy to his enemies. Now, how hard do you think this must have been? How hard do you think this must have been to not destroy the Syrian army as they stand within his city? They're sitting ducks, easily to be wiped out. Think how good that would have felt for the king. The praise that he would have gotten. The power that he would have been able to display for all to see as he wiped out that entire army. But he doesn't do it. No, instead he, he listens to the Lord. He listens to Elisha, the Lord's servant. So right there, by God's grace, through Elisha to the king, the standard for treating one's enemies is set. How do you care for prisoners? How do you treat your enemies? 
You love them. You feed them. You heap massive amounts of compassion and mercy upon them. And the king did just this. He fed them, and, and he fed them well. And then he sent them back to their families. Yeah. He sent them back to their king, to their country. Now, how might this have been received in Samaria? It could have been one way, but no, he went exactly the opposite way. What could have been a great display of power and triumph instead now is a great display of love, mercy, and grace extended to someone who didn't deserve it. Sound familiar? It should. What do people who believe in Jesus Christ and know this have extended to them every day? Immense amounts of mercy, compassion, and grace. And, and we who know this, who we, who we say we as Christians, we disciples of Jesus, what should we be doing every day to those that we don't like or to those who hurt us or our, our loved ones, to those who oppose us. <sighs> Extending mercy and grace. And displaying this in great amounts. Even to those who hate us. Even to those who are our enemies. Even to those who have hurt us. We are to extend immense amounts of heaping love, mercy, and grace. Where does this come from? Definitely not us, right? From God, through Christ, right to us. We don't deserve forgiveness, we don't deserve mercy. What do we deserve? We deserve to be destroyed. We deserve to be destroyed, just like that Syrian army in Israel's capital. Destroyed because of our sin, destroyed because of our evil thoughts, destroyed because of our brokenness and our sinful desires. But, but that while we were still sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. And because of this, because of this, we stand in this flow constantly from God through Christ to us. And as we understand this more and more and more, we understand that this flow that comes from God through Christ to us goes where? Out. Out to others. Out to our enemies. In our gospel reading today, Jesus said, you, let's just stop right there. Jesus said, you, 
shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Jesus said to you, Jesus said to me, Jesus said to us, his followers, Jesus said, you need to be different than the rest. You need to set the example. You need to love your enemies. You need to heap love on them. Sure, they deserve punishment. Sure, they deserve death. But so do you. And so do I. And so Jesus says to us, you know what you need to do because this is what I do for you. He said to you, he said to me, do this. And yet, you're right. We're like the king. We can't figure this out by ourselves. The king had Elisha, right? Had Elisha there to help him understand, to tell him what to do. But how did Elisha, the servant of the Lord, know what to do? How did he know what to pass on to the king of Israel? He did what? He prayed. He prayed and he listened to the Lord and God worked through him. So what about us? What about us who Jesus said, love your enemies? What about us who Jesus said, pray for them as well? Well, we're called to, to follow suit. We pray and we can't do it by ourselves. We need the help, right? We need the help of the helper. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. So when we pray by the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray that he works in our hearts and our minds to love our enemies. And to not only love them, but heaping mounts of love on them and to pray for them. And to pray to have the ability to extend mercy and compassion to them. Good stuff, right? Hard, but good. God has some more good stuff in here. I don't often do this, make you guys go a little bit longer here, but it's a little bit more good stuff. I want to bring us back to the earlier section of our text now. 2 Kings 6, verses 14 to 17. And I'm going to read this part again. 2 Kings chapter 6, beginning with verse 14. So he sent their horses and chariots and a great army, and they came by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man. And he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. The servant is scared. He looks around him, he looks outside, and all he sees is his demise. 
his master's demise. He sees no way out. He's blinded. He's blinded by fear. And Elisha tells him, do not be afraid. Trust me. Trust me. Those who are are with us are, are way more than those who are with them. Elisha is saying to the servant, what? Don't worry, because God is on our side. We have his protection. We have him here with us to help us through. But the servant can't see it. So Elisha prays to the Lord, Oh Lord, please open his eyes. Please open his eyes that he may see. And after that prayer, what does Elisha, to Elisha's prayer, what does the Lord do? The eyes are opened and the servant of Elisha sees. He sees the beautiful sights of God's power. All filling the mountainside. His horses and chariots of fire surround them. He sees all the support that God has there for him. He sees all the help that is there. He sees that amidst the fear, there is no need to be afraid. For the Lord is on their side. Friends, I know. I know that there are times in our life when we are just like Elisha's servant. Where we are afraid. Where we're often blinded by fear to something that we need to see. And and the fact that we can't see it, it adds to our gloom. It adds to our, our misery. So we need to have our eyes open to see how close and mighty God's power is there to us. How it's just right around us. How it's right around us right now. Friends, God's love surrounds you right now. His protection encompasses you right now. So the question is this, what is it? What is it that your eyes are blinded to right now? That God encompasses you with his love and mercy around. What do you need to be praying about and asking for God to open your eyes, to open your heart to see? We all got something. Maybe you've been blinded to the fact that you're struggling with an addiction. Maybe you've been blinded to the fact that to see a relationship that you have is falling apart. Perhaps you have been blinded to the fact that you're not living fully devoted to God and only follow Him when convenient for you. Maybe you've been blinded to the fact that You're not the person God has called you to be. And instead, you've become content in your own complacency. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's nothing big. Maybe it's huge. No matter what you have been blinded to, God can open your eyes. 
God can open your eyes to help you see the truth, to help you see how he will protect you as you step out in faith, as you step out in faith and do something different. You, you see how God will be with you as you approach the person lovingly where the relationship is on the rocks with grace and mercy and compassion. God will protect you as you, you step out and love your enemies that surround you. God can, God will, God does open your eyes. He does open your heart to his mighty power that surrounds you, that fills you. You see, friends, once again, right here, in this section of God's word, you see comfort in the fact that you are not alone. You're not forgotten. God's got you. And God's got you. He guards you. He protects you. With mighty angels, yes. With his mighty word, yes. And with his mighty son, our Savior, yes. Do not be afraid. Cry out to him. Call upon him in prayer. Cast fear aside. For God is on your side. Would you pray with me? Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart to see where I am blind. Open the eyes of my heart to heap love upon my enemies. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord, to trust you amidst my fears. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord, to see you wherever I go. No matter what comes my way, no matter the struggles, the pains, the fears, no matter what surrounds me, open the eyes of my heart, Lord, to see you, to see your love, to see your mercy, to see your grace. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord, to see you high and lifted up for me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.